go. I think we're on now. Thank you, Karen. Father God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit this morning. I thank you for your, the word that you've given me, Father God. I thank you for the worship this morning. I thank you for the spirit of unity. This, throughout this year, it's been wonderful. The Lord has been revealing a lot of things to me in my personal life. He's been making the word so alive. It's been a process. I don't know why, but you know, you sit in church every day and you hear these are the these are the tools of warfare, praise and worship, faith, thanksgiving. It's almost hard to move from worship service to the sermon because it was, it is bam, bam. It is right there. I was not expecting that. But praise God. You know, we hear these things. If you've grown up in church, if you sit in the pew, the word is taught, you're going to hear these truths. This is how I fight my battles. You hear people talking about it. But for some reason, if you're like me, you're dense. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a bad thing because I'm included in that. But there's, I believe there's levels of the Lord revealing things to you. You know, the Lord, he always, when, when we receive salvation, I've, 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 been, I've seen it illustrated this way, that there was a ginormous pile of blessings. Your inheritance is given to you as a son of God, as a daughter of God. It's a gigantic, it's the wealth of the kingdom is poured on you. And you're going through a treasure hunt. It's like a child who has been given everything, but they don't know that it's hidden in layers. Because it's hidden behind goodness after goodness after goodness. For some reason, in the Bible, we see, we see over and over and over, fight the good fight of faith. And that, for me, in this season, has been something that the Lord has been really... What does it mean to fight? What does it mean to fight? And even, even the enemy has been challenging me. Who are you? Who are you? And the Lord says, no. Who are you? So I ask you this morning. Who are you? I asked, all, I asked a lot of people this in the last couple months. And it's been, because it's, it's been something the Lord has been processing me. Who are you? Because the enemy is fighting you for that. Each and every day, each and every message you see, each and every word you hear, there is a fight going on for your identity. The world will tell you lots of terrible things. You look at somebody who has been verbally abused, and I feel like, I just, I just feel like parts of the church, many of us are verbally abused. Because we listen to the lies that the enemy tells us over and over and over again. You are filthy. You are unworthy. You are an alcoholic. You are a drug addict. You are a porn addict. You are not worthy. You're not a son of God. God didn't mean that. He will tell you that. You're stupid. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too skinny. You're too fat. He attacks, the enemy attacks you on every single level. 
And he is constantly trying to, you were abused, you were molested, you were raped, you are poor. And you are going to stay poor the rest of your life, spiritually, financially, emotionally. You are, the enemy is pouring these negative things. And trust me, I'm going to get past this part. <laughs> trust me, I'm going to get past this part. But if you recognize these, any of these thoughts, any of these thoughts, if you recognize any of these thoughts, and you have, if you don't fight those thoughts, that's what it means to fight the fight of faith. That's the beginning of it. That is just the beginning. Because every message you see, when, when you walk by a magazine rack, they're telling you who you are. The enemy is trying to get a foothold. He's trying to get an opportunity to tell you who you are. And I guarantee you that none of it is positive. None of it is uplifting for you. And for me, this really started, the, the Lord really just hit me with it one day. I was holding my newborn son. Forgive me. There's no reason why I should have any, I, I have parents. They are not perfect parents, but I have good parents. I'm not a perfect son. Let's just start, let's, let's start with that, right? But it's the relationship as a son and daughter of God. That truth, I am a son of God that the enemy is fighting for. He wants to steal that from you. Because you see, we, we, every day, as a Christian, as a Christian, we see people do things a certain way. We see men of God, we see women of God do things a certain way. And we say, I want to be like them. And so oftentimes, what I found myself doing was doing what they did, not understanding why they did it. I came to church because that's what they did. I sang the songs and the Holy Spirit was, it was in the service. I could sense his presence and he would speak to me truths. But it was what they did. It was, in other words, what was driving the motivation in my life was a spirit of religion in ways, in many areas of my life. You know, you've, at almost, almost as if, almost as if you're an employee. Almost as if you're an employee. This is what I'm supposed to do. I don't know why, but this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to read my word, and I do sometimes. I'm supposed to listen to good, uplifting Christian music, and I do sometimes. I did sometimes. I'm supposed to watch what I see. I'm supposed to watch what I'm thinking about, what I say, the people I'm around as far as letting them influence my life. But as a son, it's different. And so there I was, I was holding my son, and just love was just, whoo, you guys know what I'm talking about. You're holding your child, you're holding the most precious thing you've ever, you've ever seen in your life. And God said, you know, that's how I think about you. I'm thinking, well, that's not how I think about me. <laughs> God is chocked full of these things. Um, the, the Lord is wanting to redefine your definition of love, the love relationship that you have between him. It is that intimate, it is that real, where he is looking at you and he's saying, the things that you're saying about yourself are often abusive towards yourself, and those things are debilitating to you in your walk. And he's wanting to restore, restore sonship to you guys and to me. I just, I just can't get over that, that emotional feeling of holding my son and God saying, I love you more. 
And through that filter, Holy Spirit began to just go through and everything that I had been taught over my entire life, he began to bring up messages. Boom. Okay, now look at it through this lens. You are a son of God. What does that mean? You're a son of God. We look, we look, at, we look all through the scriptures. You're a son of God. He's the king of kings. You're the son of the king of kings. That means you are what? You're royalty. And that's why I chose that title. Conduct concerning royalty. In other words, are you, are, you, are you behaving? Are you acting? Are you thinking like that? Are you thinking like that? We look at the... We look at the let's, go, let's go to Luke real quick. Let's read... Um, it's going to be Luke 14, I believe it is. No, it's not. I'm going to go off of memory then. Okay, so we're talking, we're talking about the prodigal son there. And... We have two sons, and we, we, what we have there is we have a son who is acting not according to his, who he is. He has an inheritance, he has a kingdom, he has dominion, he has authority where he is. But oftentimes, because we're believing what the enemy is saying to us, we get off on a tangent. We go off and act as we should not. And that was, that's what, that's what was one of the things that kicked this off for me. It was right after I was holding my son. He was, he was saying, you know, that prodigal son, his father never thought differently about him. He never, ever changed that. We look at, we look at the beginning where, where he says, I want, I, want what, I want what's mine. He was a brat, basically. He, I want what's mine, and I'm going to go. I'm going to take that, and I'm going to do with it as I please. I'm going to live for myself. Instead of living for the kingdom, instead of living and building that up, that's one of the reasons why he left. It's because he had a twisted view of himself. He was, for some reason, there was a rebellious spirit in that, in that young man. You are a son of the Most High, and your inheritance is everything that is in this book. Everything that is in this book is your inheritance. And I believe each and every one of us need to, to, to meditate on that. I've been meditating on it for months and months and months. And it is, it is literally, so the picture that I got was like, like a water pump. And that water pump is running and the motor is going full blast. It's just going. And when you realize that you're a son and son or daughter of the Most High, it's like that nozzle just... It's just I, I just feel like it was blasting in my life full and the mysteries of the Word, the mysteries of Heaven were just opened up in my life. and extinguishing the lies of the enemy. Let's, um, I have working on this still. Okay, we're going to get back to where I initially wanted to go on this. First Samuel. We're going to move over. Let's, let's look at this this way. Let's go First uh, Samuel 16. We're going to look at um, David being anointed here. Okay. Um, so, so what, hap what happens here 
what's happening in this part of scripture is we have Saul. Okay? Saul is the king. He's been disobedient. The spirit of the Lord has left him and Samuel has been sent to go and anoint the next king. He goes to the, goes to uh, he goes to oh my goodness. <laughs> he goes to Jesse's house. He goes to Jesse's house. And he's to anoint the king there. And what we know about David at this point is David is not qualified. David is the youngest. In fact, his father does not even invite him when Samuel comes. Samuel is the prophet of the Lord. He is the one. Remember, this is Old Testament. Not everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not reside with, with them. They are under the law. And so the Holy Spirit is is with Samuel. He is the man, the man of God in the kingdom. He is the one who advises the kings. He is the one, he's the prophet. He is the one who anoints kings. And he says to, he says to Jesse, David's father, he says, I'm coming to your house. A couple folks come with him. And so Jesse does, as he thinks is fit, he, he invites all of David's brothers. First thing, first thing that happens is, is Jesse goes, he, or, um, Samuel, he goes right to the big brother. He goes right to the big brother, and he's got his horn of oil, the, the anointing oil. He's going to pour it on him. He's getting ready to do it, and the Lord says, no, no, that's not it. What it says about the brother, Elam, he's, he's, the, he's the, the oldest, first of all, which means he has the inheritance. He is the one who is going to carry on the family name. He is what the world sees as the most desirable. But the Lord says to 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 Samuel, he says, no, that's not the one I want. I don't want the one that looks like he ought to be king. We had that. We had Saul. We had Saul. You guys picked. You got Saul. Look what happened. He left, he left, um, king, uh, uh, he, he left the king alive and the sheep and all that stuff. He, he took what he was supposed to destroy. The Lord told him to destroy everything in battle. They were to go and take the land, destroy everything in battle. Saul said, no, you know what? King's kind of cool. We're going we're to leave him alive. We're going to take the most valuable things for ourselves. That's what, he was not the man of God. He was not the one that was needed. And, and so Samuel looks over all of the brothers and he says, boom, boom, boom. He's looking through them. And what he he gets to the end of the line. I, I, I see it like this, that the brothers are lined up. Oldest, next oldest, all the way down. And he's looking, he says, no, no, these, this is, these are not the ones I need. He said, I need, uh, do you have any other sons? Do you have any other sons? And, he, and, and what, what Jesse says is, he says, yeah, 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 I got another son. He's, he's out in the field. Which is pretty insulting if you think about it. He is, his son is in the field when the most important man, it's like the president. It's like the, the kingmaker, basically. The kingmaker has come to your home for dinner, and you didn't even invite your son for dinner. And there's some speculation on this, but it says he was, he was brought to him, he was ruddy. Some people have said some things about that. Um, and then if you look at, I believe it's Psalm 51, he, he's saying, in, in iniquity I was brought forth, in sin I was... Basically, there's some speculation whether or not David was actually born out of wedlock, that he may have been born from an adulterous relationship. And what the Lord is saying there is, it, it may or may not be true, but even if it's not true, the, the fact remains that he's not even considered worthy to be there when, 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 when Samuel's going to be anointing the king. But God sees his heart, and he sees your hearts, and he says, I want you. I want you. I have a purpose for you. I have a purpose for you. So David is there. He's anointed. And we skip forward here. Well, we look at it, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, pulled from him, and the Spirit of the Lord fell on David and resided with him. If we look ahead here to chapter 17, we see, see Goliath's challenge. 
Because of the mess that, that Saul had made, the Philistines showed up just shortly after. So the enemy showed up when they were the weakest. When the Spirit of the Lord had departed from their leader, the, Israel's leader, Goliath, shows up with the Philistines in battle there. And uh, he's a great big man. So we see David coming. And David's, supposed, David's not even supposed to be there. Goliath has been there taunting them. And that's what I'm seeing. What I was seeing when I was talking about, you are a son of the living God. And the enemy is saying, no, you're, you're something else. You're some other kind of perversion. See, you're just faking it. It's not real what you have. And that's what, that's what the Philistine was saying for 40 days when he was there. He was boldly declaring. He was standing there with all, with all of his splendor and all of his beauty and all of his, his great size and power. And he was saying, who are you? You cannot. Goliath can be anything in your life. Goliath can literally be anything in your life. It can be that job that... Oh, she got the scriptures up there. Awesome. Thank you, Vicki. Um, Goliath can literally be anything in your life. Anything. It can be, I need to be freed from sin. And that Goliath says, you will never be. And the Lord says, you will be. In fact, you are. I have given you power over these things. It can be, it can be a physical ailment that says you will die. And when the body comes together and prays by the Spirit of the Lord, healing takes place. It's, it's the, the Lord that brings about these healings. It was the Lord that brought about the, the, the victory that David experienced against Goliath. So David is here. <laughs> and what I love, what, what really caught my, really caught my attention in this it was just his response to the lie. When you, when, you take, when you take a hold of what the Lord says about you, when you say, I am a son of the Most High, I have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, I am clean, I am perfect, I am holy, not because of my performance, but because of Christ. Because his covering of grace and love and perfection is around me. He is my high priest. He is interceding for me. Okay? So we, we, see, we see David. We're now that same as a believer. Most of us here are believers. And if you're not, we will pray at the end here. If, 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 you are, if you are a believer, then the Spirit of the Lord rests upon you. And this is the identity that you take up. That when the enemy comes at you with a lie... It wasn't even his job, first of all. David's not even supposed to be there doing battle. Can, can you see that? He's, he's not a warrior. He is still a young boy. It's within the same year that he was anointed that he's out supposed to be basically delivering sandwich supplies, bread and cheese. He's, he's the delivery boy. He's the food boy. He's bringing out bread to his brothers and cheese to the generals. And there he is. And he says, what's this? What's going on here? I, I know you guys are fighting, but what are you guys doing standing around? And this big, big guy comes up and he starts saying that, why don't you send someone out? Is there any one of you who is mighty enough to take on me? And if, if, if I beat you, I will make you all slaves. And David says, slaves? I, see, 400 years ago, I heard about what happened when we were slaves. And that is not happening. We are not going back to bondage. We are not going back to captivity. No. He says, who is that uncircumcised Philistine that he would stand and defy the armies of the Lord? And your response as a believer, when something comes into your life, is you would say basically the same thing. Who are you, Satan, that you would stand against me, a son of the Most High? How dare you attack me? All authority under heaven and earth was given to Christ. He gave it to me. <laughs> He gave it to me. The Spirit of the living God resides within me. That's got to change you. That's got to change the way you think about everything. From your, from your employment to your family to your, the, the disputes in your family even. You're, you, you don't think about things the same way. You don't see our battle is not flesh, against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities. I'm not fighting somebody. 
I'm not in quarrel with my brothers and sisters. I'm not in quarrel with my parents. If we are not in unity, then somebody, and I'm not doing this to point fingers, then somebody is believing a lie. Someone has let the guard down. Someone has allowed the enemy to challenge them and defeat them, and they're, and they're living in a false pr- imprisonment. Allowing pride, anger, strife, bitterness, all of these things to rise up in the family. And so, and so with all humbleness, obviously, <laughs> you stand against the thing, the spirit of strife, the spirit of division, the spirit of anger, the spirit of whatever is causing that division in your family. Whatever is... See, in, in the Word of God, spirits are known by their effect on mankind. Spirit of infirmity. Spirit of whatever. I mean, you name it, any evil under the sun, there is a spirit attached to that. And it is your job, it is your right, it is your inheritance as a believer of God to stand and say, No. No. Not here. Not here. You see, and, and a lot of folks are like, they, they, they want to go into battle alone, but understand that there are some things that you are not equipped for. There are some things I'm not equipped for. But within our body, we're equipped to do everything, to tear down every stronghold. If I, need, if I need financial help, I go to someone in the body who is financially wise. I go to that man or that woman and I say, would you help me in this? They will give you both, both, both spiritual help, but also practical knowledge. Wisdom that the Lord has revealed to them. If I need someone who is, if someone, if someone has cancer, who do you think they ought to go to? Maybe someone who's had cancer and who's been healed by the Lord. By the Lord. Vicky has victory in that. She has faith for that kind of a miracle. <laughs> If you have someone who's struggling with, with, with drug abuse, if you have someone who's struggling with alcoholism, you go to someone who's conquered that demon, where the Lord has brought victory in their life, and you say, would you pray for me? Because, see, there is... You have to have faith for that situation. And the Lord has equipped many, many, many of us with things. That's, that wall back there, that's like... That's like a job. That's almost like a, hey, hire me. I'll pray for you. I have victory in that area. <laughs> that wall of faith back there? That is, that is testimonies of what the Lord has done in people's lives. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taunt the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in one accord, saying, "This will be done to the man who kills him." And they're ta- they're saying that you know that he's going to receive a, war- a reward for for slaying, for slaying the giant. And his brother, there's always one of these in the church. There's always an Elib in the church. He's jealous for some reason that you would that you would be so bold as to ask for healing or that you would ask for a miracle in your life. And he says, "What are you doing here? You're just here for the show." You're just here for the show. You just want everyone to be praying for you. You want to be the center of attention. But no, David did not want to be the center of attention. He was, he was desperately not wanting to go back into slavery. He was offended that the Lord, that, that that man was standing against the armies of the Lord. I don't know what's going on there. That's interesting. I'm going to stand still. David was actually indignant that everyone was believing a lie. It was a righteous anger that rose up within him, in him and said, this far and no further, you will not prevail over me. And we look at it and he's brought before, and David's brought before King Saul. Everyone's like, wow, he's the only one in our whole army that's not afraid. <laughs> he's the only one out of all the armies of the Lord. He was the only one who wasn't afraid. King Saul was not on the front lines. He's seen the show. He was back in his tent saying, boy, I'm going to keep the army between me and that guy. Okay, and so he goes before King Saul, and Saul says, hey, how about, how about we, we have a formula here? The formula is that we're going to do, we're going to put on my armor, we're going to give you my sword, and we're going to do all of these things. We're going to give them all to you. And David, who's still a young boy, he says, uh, this is not the way, this is not the way, I've, I've done it. This is, 
In other words, there isn't a religious formula for it. David had experienced victory in his life, and he knew that the way to do it, David had, um, in, in the Psalms later on, he says, Blessed be the Lord who trains my hands for battle and trains my hands for war. He trusted that the Lord was going to, had already prepared him in the past when he slayed that lion and he slayed that bear. See, the Lord was preparing him even then, even before he was anointed. The Lord will use the things that are in your life, the victories that you've had in your life, the skills that you have, the abilities that he has given you, the gifts and callings that are on your life. He, all those things, those things are, those are your toolbox. That's your toolbox. And so David is here and he says, well, he tells, he tells the king, he says, hey, king, so I know you have this for me, but I can't do it that way. And the king says, what are you talking about? He said, well, let me tell you a story. He said, there was this time. He's giving the testimony of the Lord. There was, there was a lamb in my flock. And a bear came out, or a lion came out. I forget which one was first. I'm not sure what's going on there. Sorry, forgive me. Um, there, there was a lion that had a hold of a little sheep. David is actually not in danger this time. Would you guys agree? Dave, David is not in danger. The sheep is being devoured. It will, it will satisfy the lion. And he could call his brothers tomorrow and say, Hey, there's a lion out there eating that thing. But he says, No. Not today, not that little sheep. And that's what, we, as believers, that is, that is what the Lord has called us to do. See, the pastor's not the only one who slays lions. It's not by pastor... It's not by, pastor doesn't do it anyways. It's the Holy Spirit in him. The same Holy Spirit that's in me. The same Spirit that's in you. same Spirit that's in any man or woman of God. You guys. You ladies. Each and every one of you is equipped to take care of the sheep. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the body working together. And protecting each other. That each part of the body needs one another. Is that there is, you see someone who has a need. You see someone who has left the church, who is experiencing divorce. Who is experiencing a problem in their life. Any problem. It doesn't have to be those things. They leave the church. They fall to sin. They, they're like, oh, I ain't coming back. What is our job? What has happened? A lion has grabbed a hold of them. And the sheep is believing that no one is going to come for me. Sorry, I was listening to a testimony of a woman. And she... You see, she had been rescued out of... Um, she was basically a sex slave. It was very recent. This testimony, I've seen it on the, online... This woman was, was, was enslaved. She, was, she had a pimp. She was being sold. Her body was being sold against her will. And the Lord delivered her from that. It was a wonderful, miraculous story. And she's like, I don't want nothing to do with that. I don't want nothing to do with that at all. And, because, and the reason she was saying that is because there was an opportunity to go on a trip for, for missions. And she was sitting there and she was praying. And, and what the Lord said is, Told, told her is that they think they think nobody is going to come for them. They think that no one is going to come for them. Where, does, where, where did that come from? It's a lie that the enemy's told that little sheep. That there's no David out there. And I believe that this year, the past, the, this whole church has been bleeding acceleration, acceleration. And I think that one of, the, one of the cornerstones of accelerating and growing in our faith, it's not about numbers. It is, we want numbers. Numbers is, is, an, is a symptom of a healthy church. But one of the starting points of that is, what is your identity? Because if we build a church bigger without building an identity first... Then we, have, then we have something, we have a house of cards. We have something that's a house of cards. You see, if we build up a house of children that don't realize the anointing that rests on their life, 
then they have no power. They have no, in other words, all they have to sell is religion. If we build a church and we fill this thing to the top and people are standing on top of each other to try to get in here, but they don't understand that they are sons of the, and daughters of the Most High God, that they are royalty, that they are called, each and every individual one has a job to do. Each and every one has a ministry to do that nobody else can do. then if we don't understand that, then there will be no one to rescue the lamb. There will be no one to go up and bash, bash the lion on the head and say, hey, that's mine. He grabs him by the beard and he lets that little lamb go. And then he proceeds to club him to death. That's the level of victory that you're supposed to walk in. When you experience a victory in an area of your life, you're supposed to go and you're supposed to share that with other people. That wall back there is more than just, more than, it's, that that wall back there, that wall of faith is really something. When we're talking about slaying giants, talking about slaying lions, building a track record with the Lord, it is more, it is way more than just a name up there. What it, if you've listened to testimonies of what the Lord has done, what does that always result in? Vicky's, what, what has the Lord done for you? I know Vicky's been healed of cancer. I'm no longer addicted to porn. I, have no, I am not addicted to alcohol. Something that has, that has been in the past, something that has been a generational curse. Something that many, many people in my family have been addicted to. I am free from that. You see, how many of you are free from things? Does anyone have a testimony this morning? What are you free from, Jim? He's free from alcohol. Anyone else been freed from something? You. Drugs, praise God. <laughs> yeah. Who else? Who's been freed? Alcohol, praise God. Alcohol, praise God. What have you been freed from? Because, you see, in that area, you have faith to believe for someone else. Has, it, has the enemy ever came against someone's marriage? And tried to take out someone's marriage? Yeah. Forty-five years. Praise God. It is. That's a tough man right there. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that. I love them both dearly. <laughs> and now he's going to be hurt. <laughs> I was in trouble, Jim, not you. You were doing good. <laughs> Grace of God. Amen. Amen. You see, there, there's people in here who have experienced victories. That's not the only healing miracle that's been in here. I guarantee that. I guarantee that is not the only healing miracle in here. Who else has been healed? She's been healed from a heart attack. What was that? Wow. Praise God. Okay. So you see, when you hear that, now in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a son of God. I know I have a track record of things that I've been freed from. There's a bleed. There's a heart attack. God's bigger than heart attacks. He's bigger than bleeds. He's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than all of those things. How many of you guys had a screwed up identity before? Because I did. I had a screwed up identity I really did. The enemy, I allowed the enemy to talk to me for years, decades. And he's fixing my identity. Praise God. You see, it's hard to be, it's hard to be, to not have a positive outlook on life. 
when you're a son of God. It's really hard to have a positive outlook on, or a negative outlook on life when you realize that you are a son of God. If God is this, that means I am this, and that means that me imagining, or me living in fear, I, I heard this from, from someone, um, from, from Bill Johnson. He said, fear is nothing more. Any fear. Can you say any fear? Any fear is nothing more than imagining a future where God does not exist. Say that again. Any fear is imagining a future where God does not exist. Any fear. See, David got that. David got that. David was... David was there. He finished telling his testimony. He said, I've killed the lion. The Lord, has, the Lord has enabled me to kill the lion. I've rescued one lamb from a lion. Rescued one lamb from a bear. And this guy right here, he's in trouble. He's in trouble. That will not stand. Before, that will not keep me from my blessing. Because you see... David had a promise too. When that horn of oil was poured over him, he was declared king. He was not going to be king in captivity. He said, you're not going to steal. Satan, you are not going to steal. Satan, Goliath, it's the same thing. You are not going to steal from me my inheritance. I have been promised kingship. I am royalty. Whether or not I'm wearing the crown right now, I am under his covering right now. I'm under Saul's covering and I am doing my job. I'm being faithful in what I'm called to do. That's my future. And you're not going to steal that from me. So it says then in 41 it says the Philistine came on and approached David with a shield bearer in front of him. So David is not actually fighting two guys. He's fighting one guy and someone holding a big old shield in front of him. In other words, it appeared as if Goliath was not vulnerable. There it says again, he was but a youth. And the Philistine lied again, as the enemy always does. He says to David, what am I, a dog, that you would come at me with sticks? <laughs> He's trying to discourage him. He's trying to keep him intimidated. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistines, You come at me with a sword and a spear. I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted this day. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. It doesn't say it, but it, it looks to me as if David is prophesying here. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and I will remove your head from you. <laughs> you think about that. that is, I know it's not, it's not, but... That is the boldness that he has, the audacity. He has no way of removing a head. He has a rock and a little leather bag. That's it. How is he going to remove the head of this giant of a man? I'll strike you down. I will remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the earth. That, the, that the, all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel... And the assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. See, that really ticked off the Philistine. <laughs> it ticked him off, and he started coming at David. Started coming at David, and there David is. And I don't know why, but it always seems like in, in the in the in the cartoons when I was a little boy, it always seemed like David was sitting there and he was like, oh man, this big guy's coming after me. He wasn't even in danger. 
David was not in danger at all. You see, David understood. He believed what the word of God said about him. He believed in the testimonies of old, the miracles that God had done in his nation. That the leader, he knew that the leaders of Israel had the spirit of the living God upon them. And as long as he was in covenant, as long as he was operating as he should, as long as David was being obedient. See, that's, that's the next key. Is it is obedience. David was within his realm of authority. He was anointed king of Israel. And each, each and every one of us, that's a whole other rabbit trail that I probably don't need to go on. But David, is, he, is, he, is, he is under the covering of the king. The king has blessed him. The Lord has anointed him. David is where he is supposed to be. You understand that? He didn't, he's not tr out trying to make himself the king. He's not raising up a band of rebels to go and take over the kingship. No, he is being obedient. You be obedient to what the Lord tells you to do. You be obedient to where the Lord has placed you. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if sometimes it doesn't make money. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're operating under faith. You be obedient. That even though it looks like 10,000 are against you. And that the one that's right in front of you is 9 foot tall. See, David understood that. So as the enemy does, as he always does, he bluffed. He thought he was going to win. He, he's just stupid, I guess. He really thought he was going to win. As the enemy often does. He'll never tell you otherwise that I'm not going to win. So as Goliath starts marching, boom, boom, big lumbering man. David. It says he, he, was, he was but a youth. I'm not a big man. About an average man. Probably a little bit wider around the middle than I should be. But says, imagine someone smaller than me. And he has his rock, and that giant is, boom, boom. That sickness is looming in front of you, boom, boom. The divorce is looming in front of you, boom, boom. The sin issue that you can't get over is looming in front of you, boom, boom. You hear that big man and that, that male in front of you, looming. He says, by the Spirit of the living God, you will be, you will fall today. And he runs and he throws that sucker. You see, David left. He left the protection of the army. He was, he was, he had authority. He had, he was where he was supposed to be. He had the anointing. He had the authority. He was where he was supposed to be. Someone was defiling defying the, the armies of the living God and he says no this far and no further and we have another example of that and uh, in, in we all know the story David's prophecy came true he said I will strike you down I will remove your head and you and all of yours will be for the beasts and the birds in other words we will have complete and utter victory in this area we will not be going back believe the Philistines ever did defeat David. He did lose some battles. It looked as if he lost some battles. One that comes to mind is when the enemy came into his camp, I forget which one of them. There's, he was always fighting. <laughs> David was good at it. He, he was always fighting. But they came and they, they stole all of his women. Ziglag? Ziglag came up. Stole all of his women. All of the men. All of their wives stolen all of their children stolen, all of their possessions, everything gone. The men are wailing. David does what David does. He goes before the Lord and he prays. He says, Lord, is this our end? Or would you like me to go and recover everything? That's the, that's the, way, that's the way spiritual battles work. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm afraid that a lot of times, I, I don't know what we're expecting the enemy to do. I don't know if we're expecting Goliath to just sit there and wait for us to get that rock all wound up, and then we can, we can throw, maybe we'll, maybe we'll miss one, maybe we'll miss the next one, and he's just going to stand there. No, the enemy is actively trying to come after you. 
And it's at that, it's at that point when the enemy starts marching at you. And when, you're, when, when everything has been taken from you, that you say, Hey God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it you want me to do? Am I to wait? Or am I to go back and take what is mine? Am I to go and rescue the sheep? My brother is hurting. My sister is hurting. Am I to go? Am I to rescue that sheep? Am I to call to prayer those who are around me? Might call the family to a fast. Say, that one's hurting. That one's hurting. That one's hurting. I want them back. And you wait. See, we don't throw rocks in the church very often. I hope not. We don't throw rocks in the church. But the weapons of our warfare, praise, worship, when the enemy is standing in front of you, what is your response going to be? What is your response going to be? Are you going to cower? I don't know what's going on here. Is this thing working at all now? It's kaput? It's still working? Okay. What is your response going to be? Is your response to the, to, the, to the negative report? Is your response to the bad situation? Is your response to a loss going to be I'm done well, the enemy has taken it that's just life sometimes you, you win some say it again. sometimes you win sometimes you lose you know is that, is that the way we respond to it I don't think I'm on anymore am I really something changed up here oh well as long as you guys can hear me I don't care are you going to respond with praise and worship. That, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but there has been a lot of songs on that lately. I'll raise a hallelujah. Oh gosh, there was another one I sent to Karen. The one Karen just started singing this afternoon or this morning. There's been a lot of new songs and that has been the theme. And I think... That's what the Lord would have us do in this time. That we're to take back what the enemy has stolen from us in these times. See, when, when, we, when we decide that that's mine and I'm taking it back, oftentimes what the, the, it doesn't happen immediately. This is a process sometimes. See, David threw one rock, bam, it was over with. But the next time when Ziglag came up, it was a process. It took a while to go out there and slay all those guys. It was not an immediate thing. And so they had to continue pressing in. They had to continue in faith that they would recover everything. They may not have seen it. In the confusion of battle, it may not have made sense to them. But the Lord promised them, go and recover everything which you have lost. After the Lord's Prayer, there's a, a, a real gem. And I, I heard a sermon on it years ago. It was probably 2015. And it's, it's a really simple story. But the Lord says that there was a man. A friend came to him. And he had nothing to give him. And see, the, the man went, the man who had a visitor, he went to the master. He knocked on the door. He said, hey, I got nothing for him, but he's in need. And the word of God says that, that the master said, it's late at night, it's dark. The hour is dark. Leave me alone. Come back another time. And the man who had a visitor kept knocking. He kept knocking. He kept knocking. He didn't quit because his friend was in need. 
and it says that because of his persistence, he received everything. See, prayer is one of our, after, after, after praise and worship, acknowledging God, who God is in our situations, prayer is the next thing. And, and I know that they're happening simultaneously, you know, we're talking to God and all that stuff. I know that they're happening simultaneously. But persistent prayer for your brother, for your sister. You see, the man didn't have anything to gain. It didn't say he was hungry and he wanted to eat in the middle of the night. He wanted a midnight snack. It said nothing like that. He said, this man has journeyed. He has come to me. Someone who ought to have something to feed him. Just as you should have something to feed your brother, your sister, someone in need. So we'll, we'll take it out of parable a little bit and say, Father God, this man is in need. Please give me what I need for him. It is not for me, see, because you have sustained me. The master has sustained the man. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a mas- the master, servant, and another man came to the servant. The servant would be you. See, the servant is well taken care of. The man that he comes upon, the man that comes to him in need. And he continued to knock until he got it. He continued. See, because he was sure that his heavenly father had what he needed. Because our our heavenly father is not in need. He wants for nothing. Except for you. He wants you. He wants you. And he wants to bless that man. So if you have to, wake him up. Not that he sleeps. But get something for your neighbor. I I really feel like that's the, man, that is the heart of God right there. That you would get something for someone else. You spend your time with the Lord and you get something for someone else. You find the lamb that is being devoured. You wipe that dude out. And you rescue the lamb. back to the question who are you who are you Lloyd who are you Elton what are you going to believe you are a son of God you are who are you Mary who are you so you're connected to a kingdom of infinite wealth infinite power The Lord has given those things to you. You just need to become a conduit that it flows through. See, the business of the kingdom isn't hoarding wealth. It's not sitting here and absorbing the message every day and absorbing the word and, and the blessings that the Lord pours on your life. I, you know, I give and the Lord gives me back. That's not the point. The point is to be a conduit to flow from heaven through you. So that they can have everything that they need, the Lord can give to them. They can give out. See, we're given, we're given, we're given two directives. Have dominion over the earth. From the very beginning. Be fruitful and multiply. Be, multiply what you are. You're made in the very image of God. You are made in the very image of God. The spirit of the living God lives within you. Said, breathe it into Adam. Jesus fixed all the sin messed up. He went and he made disciples. We are to become Christ-like. They made more disciples. We are to become Christ-like. So, if you follow it back, we are to be little Christs. Spirit of the living God lives in you. 
Obviously, I'm not, I'm not trying to teach heresy that you're God. Okay, I'm not trying to teach anything, but you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. What a wonderful privilege. Be that conduit. Be that conduit. Be constantly looking for someone. Be training your hands. Pray that the Lord be training you for battle. To take back what the enemy has stolen from you. Karen, if you'd like to come up and play, please. Be, be ready. Be ready. See, it's, it's not, later, you know, later on, David obviously got good at what he did. And David raised up more of what he was. It's in 2 Samuel. And basically, David is in a battle again. And David had his mighty men. David was known as a giant slayer. David was a giant slayer. When we're talking about growing this church, when we're talking about accelerating, we're not talking about just having an, an army to follow. There's mighty men needed. There's mighty women needed. David reproduced what he was. He had his mighty men. And David came across Goliath's brothers, and he went at them as he did before. It was four this time. Part of the reason why it's imperative that you invest in other people is because the, the nature of battle is that you will need help. Yes, the Lord is your rock. He is your salvation. But you will need help. And David did something right. He did many things right, but this particular thing he did right, he raised up mighty men around him. And he went after those four giants because that's the way he's always done it. And he went after those dudes. This time he had a sword. I don't know if he had Goliath's sword. I knew he took Goliath's sword. It doesn't specify. It doesn't matter. But one of, the, one of the giants grabbed a hold of David and was going to kill him. His name is given. You see, what happened when that giant grabbed a hold of David is one that he had invested in, one that he had ministered to. Knocked that sucker out. Grabbed him by the mane, slayed him. Says David, and he slayed the giant. They killed the other four. There was multiple of his mighty men that were there. He raised up giant killers. Jesus raised up disciples. The disciples raised up disciples. Your pastor is raising disciples. The lineage has never been broken. And I believe that one day in heaven, that lineage will show back, just like how you can read how, how Jesus was the son of so-and-so, and the son of Joseph, all that way down. You see, you have a holy lineage and a God. And that lineage is to continue past you. You are not the end of the line. You see, you're not called to infancy. You're not called to be a child. You were called to be royalty. You were called to be giant slayers. You were called to rescue the sheep. You have a purpose. The purpose is not to fill a seat. The purpose is not to sing a song, to, see, to have everyone see you raising your hands. It's not, the, the experience is not the goal. While it's a part of the life of a Christian believer, it is not the goal. The goal is that each and every one of you would be equipped. Each and every one of you, in the middle of the battle, Say, I raise hallelujah to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. 
because that giant in front of me is going to fall because he has messed with one of God's. Please stand if you would. Father God, it's been a wonderful morning. It's been a little bit stressful, but your grace has seen me through. I've delivered the message that you gave me. Father God, I pray that, that your people, that your sons and your daughters, those who have an inheritance with you, have received this word this morning. And that they too would seek after the meaning of what it means to be a son, what it means to be a daughter, that they would seek out giants who are harming their brothers and sisters, that the body would be complete, that the body would be whole, that none would be left behind, that there wouldn't be none lost to the works of the enemy, because I guarantee the enemy is after them right now. But that's okay, because there are shepherds in here, there are encouragers in here. There are those who have a testimony with the Lord. Lord God, I pray that you, would, that you would show them the people in their lives who need help, who are in need of prayer, who are in need of victory, God. Those people who are in need, Father God, I pray that you would show them those people right now and that they would stand with them in battle that they would raise them up as the next generation, Father God. That they would raise them up as mighty men of God, mighty women of God, women of, women of virtue. <sighs> Father God, I pray that this church would reproduce sons and daughters. Reproduce sons and daughters. I pray that they would disciple people. they would all boldly declare the greatness of our